Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC Brasilia, which is headlined by Charles Oliveira versus Kevin Lee. Big fight in the lightweight division. Um, Charles Oliveira on a really good streak right now. Kevin Lee coming off a monstrous KO of Gregor Gillespie. Uh, this is Charles's first real test, like in a while, in terms of somebody that's up there in the rankings, somebody that's very credible, somebody that's very legit. Uh, you know, not really talking shit to his past opponents, but a lot of people have been thinking that Charles hasn't been fighting up to his competition, uh, or at least his level of talent and competition. But I think Kevin Lee is going to be the first person to actually test that. So, um, very, very intrigued for this fight. Uh, a bunch of other fights on the card that I'm excited for. Um, but let's quickly start off with uh, the last event, which was UFC 248, which was a profitable one. And that takes us to a two-event winning streak right there. So uh, we actually got two events this week on my Bellator 241. And uh, obviously this Brazilian card, and I do have a bet for Bellator. And I'll quickly let you guys know what that is after... Uh, after uh, pretty much near the ending of this episode, I'll let you guys know what it is. But UFC 248. So Lock of the Night play hits. Five units at minus 167 on Benil Dariush. Thought there was a ton of value on Dariush there. Um, not really seeing why people were so high on close. Uh, but as soon as I saw that line, I'm like, got to take the shot, you know. It was a little dicey at first considering the, you know, the the Hail Mary tactics that these guys were fucking throwing at each other and and swinging for the fences. Thankfully, Benio Dariush comes out on the winning end uh, and, and catches 2.99 units for us there. Another winning bet, Dog of the Night play. I had a couple of Dog of the Night plays here. Uh, 0.75 units on Neo Magni, plus 169. That hits for plus 127, plus 1.27. Uh, very, very happy with that one. It seemed like a lot of people were on Li Jing Liang here. I, I didn't see it, you know, at, at the odds, I thought it was a little bit crazy that Neil Magny was such a dog to, to Lee, and yeah, you could say what you want about his layoff, uh, but he had all the tools in the bag, and it showed uh, to beat Lee Jingliang, people can say what they want about Lee, not having the best game plan, you got 15 minutes in there, you know, if something's not working for the first five, switch that shit up, that's all I can say, uh, another dog of the night play that hits for us is one unit on Gerald Mearshart at plus 123, this one was a no-brainer for me as well. It's something that me and Tony talked about on Combative Stories as well. Mirshard, bigger guy. Jiu-Jitsu had the edge. Uh, and it seemed like once he sunk in that rear naked choke, Duran Wynn had no, uh, you know, had no will in terms of trying to to uh, to defend it or anything. It was ridiculous. Like, he just kind of let it slip in, just waited, waited, and then tapped out. That's all about. That's it, pretty much. Um... And then the rest uh, were some L's. So I had 0.75 units on Yuan and Yuan Jacek. If you guys remember for the last episode, I actually predicted Wiley Zhang to win. However, uh, I couldn't pass up plus 174 on Yuan and Yuan Jacek in what turned out to be quite a uh, close fight. So I was happy with the value that I got on that minus 0.75 units on that. 0.75 units on Austin Hubbard kind of went the way that I expected, but I expected Hubbard to push a little bit more in that third round, possibly get a finish. He was damn near close. He broke Marco Madsen's jaw. So that's something to take into consideration. But 0.75 units at plus 216. I'm fine with that. Uh, minus 0.75 units there. And then I had a, a 2.25 parlay, 2.25 unit parlay at plus 160 on um plus 116 i should say on israel adesanya who went out there and boringly did his thing but got the w nonetheless and then jamal Aburns in a really close fight against giga chikadze we did a deciding splits episode on this fight and i thought that uh, chikadze actually did end up winning those first two rounds so uh not too bummed about this potential robbery that a lot of people are screaming out here so happy with uh you know 
uh, the, the fact that Adesanya hit, but kind of bummed that you know, we're minus 2.25 units because of that. And then obviously uh, minus 0.25 units on the Hail Mary parlay, uh, losing because of Emmers being the only leg that, that whiffs there. So I'm fine with that. Uh, plus 1.49 units on the on the event, 14% ROI. Wish it could have been a little bit better, uh, but I can't complain too much uh, about the, the, you know, cashing on two po- uh, legit dogs and then obviously hitting the lock that I play. So profit nonetheless. UFC Brasilia, quick thoughts. Uh, solid card overall. There's a lot of fun fights on here. Um, there's a lot of ingredients in each matchup that makes it kind of interesting. Even David Dvorak stepping out on short notice to fight Bruno Silva. I'm happy with that. You know, I think Dvorak shows a lot of potential. I'm absolutely swearing myself off of betting UFC debuting fighters. Jamal Emers went out there and, you know, made it a much closer fight than it should have been. Jeff Hughes is another one that still comes to mind against Maurice Green. But no matter how good the fighter is, I will. there are 11 to 12 other options on the card that I can choose from, and I'm not forcing myself to bet UFC debuting fighters anymore. So, you know, Dvorak's interesting. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva, I think she's a very interesting as well. Uh, Hani or Ronnie, actually, he wants to go by. Ronnie Yaya versus Enrique Berzola should be very fun. Uh, the return of Zaleski to a Santos after he got finished by Li Jing Liang against Alexei Kunchenko, that should be fun. Uh, Formiga against Moreno, that's, you know, a possible number one contender fight. Um, you know, we got uh, Benavides and Figueredo probably going to be running it back. So I think that whoever wins this fight is possibly going to be next up for them. Very, very important fight there. Trinaldo against McDessie should be a fun fight. The return of Johnny Walker, we should call him TriStar Walker now. Uh, we'll see how he does, you know, after changing camps against Nikita Krylov, who, you know, he's pretty much never in a boring fight. Hanato Moikano trying to bounce back off for that chance on Young fight uh, against a, a heavy hitter in Demir Hadzovic. Let's see how good Moikano's chin still is. And then a fun, fun, fun fight in Damian Maia versus Gilbert Burns. I hope we get to see this somehow play out on the ground. Not for simply the fact that I kind of want to pro- prove my combative stories co-host Tony wrong that Gilbert Burns is actually very very high level jujitsu, uh, but it's just a it's just it's just fun. It's like it's like Ben Askren against Damian Mayo. Everybody wanted to see that play out on the ground. Damian Mayo obviously got the best of it, uh, and I'm excited to see how this one turns out. And then we got Kevin Lee against Charles Oliveira. Huge huge fight there. Uh, for both of them, especially Charles Oliveira a little bit more because we finally get to see him against like legit competition after this crazy run that he's been on. Uh, and then Kevin Lee trying to, you know, build on the momentum that he had in that Gregor Gillespie fight, which is a huge, huge one for him. And then a huge stinker for us because I had a lot of money on Gregor Gillespie, as did a lot of people. So it is what it is. All right, let's jump into this card. Uh, we'll start off right way at the bottom. Veronica Macedo versus uh, Bea Malecki. Uh, starting off with Maleki, 1-0 in uh, MMA, which is crazy. Uh, you know, she was 0-0 in that uh, in the Ultimate Fighter series that she had. She lost uh, a decision against Leah Letson first time out. And then this Duda-Santana fight. It seemed like Duda was having a lot of success getting uh, Bea Maleki down. And then there was a little gaffe on Duda's end where uh, Maleki was able to get her back. And as soon as she sunk it, that choke, it was like Santana already had the 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 wherewithal in terms of just tapping right away she's like you know what fuck it she's under my chin i'm not even gonna try fighting it didn't even try fighting the hands pretty much it tapped immediately so that was a little bit uh, you know maybe her breathing was off or something like that and she was really on her last breath or something like that but very very uh unfortunate for duda there but you know maleki shows decent hands she's very long she's gonna have a huge size advantage here 
Uh, I want to confirm those numbers. 5974 inch reach compared to uh, 5464 inch reach. For some reason, Macedo is always going going up a weight class now. She's fighting at 125. Um, oh, sorry, this is at 135. I should be talking about. So she's going to be at a huge size disadvantage here. She's going to have to get the fight to the ground, I think, to to have her most success. I think she's going to get outstruck on the feet against Bea Maleki. In terms of the odds, um, plus 155 for Maleki, minus 175 for Macedo. The line is really starting to close. We saw plus 175 initially on Bea Maleki. Now she's at plus 155. I think people are starting to see the little bit of the, the, the size discrepancy here and how it could be some issues for uh, Macedo. Um, I I can't confidently go out there and say I want to bet Veronica Macedo. I think she has some really good jujitsu. Uh, her striking is pretty good too. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure that she'll be able to get Bea down and hold her down and actually implement her striking. I'm sorry, her striking, implement her jujitsu. Uh, just due to you know dealing with such a bigger woman. Uh, th this is just a tough fight for Macedo. I think the value here is on Maleki, and that's what I'm actually going to go with. I don't think I'll be betting this fight, to be honest. I think the, the, the line is still just a little bit too ridiculous. Maybe if Maleki was like plus 200, I'd think about it. But at this point in time, I'm, I'm not interested in betting it. Um, I think we see Maleki keep this fight on the feet, uh, you know, use her range well, uh, maybe even take Macedo down. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Uh, her just implementing her own strength against her. Um, but I think that we see Maleki just pretty much fight on the outside, maybe get a later finish. Uh, otherwise, I see her getting a, a decision. But, uh, you know, if you're forcing yourself to bet this fight, I think the, uh, the the underdog is the way to go here. In terms of the fight, doesn't go to decision. It's pretty much dead even. So, you know, odds makers are seeming to expect this fight to be 50-50 in terms of whether it goes to decision or not. I'm not 100% sure. I, I just can't get the best read on this fight, but I'm still going to go with Maleki. I think we see her put on a little bit of a striking clinic uh, and mainly due to her range. So I'm going with Maleki by decision. Next up, we got uh, Bruno Silva versus uh, David Dvorak, who's stepping in on short notice. Bruno Silva was actually supposed to be fighting Sumadarji. Sumadarji obviously has all that stuff going on in, in China, and I think that he didn't he couldn't travel just due to the coronavirus. The coronavirus and also uh he's sitting it out bruno silva you know last time around got arm triangle choke by khalid taha it seemed like a fight that he was slowly starting to make a comeback in and then taha eventually gets that top position and sinks in the arm that arm triangle choke you know silva has some decent power uh i think that dvorak's actually gonna have the advantage on the feet here um we've seen decent jujitsu from dvorak in the past but i don't think it's the level of bruno silva um Dvorak is actually a little bit more experienced too he's coming in with this being his 21st fight whereas Bruno Silva is only going to be fighting for the 17th time not only but you guys know what the fuck I mean um I like uh, I like Dvorak here to win I think he's going to put on a little bit of a striking clinic I think he's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet too um it's it's tough you know, I feel like it's going to be a close fight, and obviously it's tough betting against a Brazilian in Brazil in a fight that should play out relatively close. Uh, so I'm going to lean with Bruno Silva here. I think he does, you know, clinch Dvorak up against the cage, make it a dirty fight, drag him to the ground, start to use some of his top pressure. Uh, again, decent power on the feet. If you guys haven't checked out his seven-second KO, was it seven seconds? Jesus, it was actually him getting knocked the fuck out. Adalto Prado, Prado, I should say, sorry, uh, put him out in seven seconds. Crazy, crazy loss for him there. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I just don't have the best read on this fight. I have no intentions on betting. I'm not the highest on Bruno Silva. And obviously, you guys know, like I said, off the top of the show, um, I'm not the most keen in terms of betting a uh, uh, a UFC debut here. So I'm going to go with Bruno Silva to win by decision. Um, again, not not the best read here. Next up, we got Myra Bueno Silva versus um, Marina Moroz. Marina Moroz, you know, she has that, like, uh, that decent striking style, mixing a decent amount of takedowns during the last fight against Sabina Mazzo, which was a very, very close fight. Um, you know, I don't think we really saw Mazzo pull the trigger in that fight, which is why Moroz was able to have a little bit more success than she was supposed to. Um, I think that Moroz is going to have a little bit more to deal with here. Bueno Silva, you know, mainly, I, I believe her choke game and her jiu-jitsu is, is what's best about her. She has a decent uh, forward pressure game too, decent striking. I think Moroz is going to be on her bicycle a little bit more in this fight. This is a relatively close fight too, but I think that Bueno Silva is going to try to push this fight to the ground, which is where she'll have a, a distinct advantage, I think. Um, it's been a while since we've seen Bueno Silva. I believe the last time we saw her against Jillian uh yeah Jillian Robertson way back in September of 2018 she's sat out for a while now um I think she's going to be hungry to get back into the cage and get the victory here um you know this is it's roughly been the same amount of time that Neil Magny was out too so you can't really take too much um stock into the fact that she's been out this long <sighs> overall I think that Bueno Silva is a better fighter uh what are the odds saying right now Minus 130 for Bueno Silva. Decent, decent value there, in my opinion. Um, I, I could absolutely see Bueno Silva getting this fight to the ground. It's, like, it's not like Marina Moroz has this crazy takedown defense or anything like that either. So uh, I, see, I expect this fight to play out on the feet a little bit. Um, but I do think that we see Bueno Silva eventually get this fight to the ground. And I think we also see her eventually get the uh, submission finish as well, too. So um, going with Silva there, not sure if I'll be betting it. Probably not. Speaking about betting it. We're going to get right into our more than likely and will be my lock of the night play. I got Enrique Bazola. I haven't played it yet. Uh, it looks like the odds are minus 181. So the odds are getting a little bit wider on Barzola. I'm hoping that we see a little bit of a downswing here and, and Barzola actually comes back uh, roughly around the minus 160-ish range. Uh, just based on, you know... People I've been talking to and 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 what it looks like the consensus is out there. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are super super sure on Barzola, which makes it, you know, a little bit more happier or, or or enticing for me to wait it out and be patient with this line. I think that we do get that minus one sixty again on Barzola, and I think he has a distinct advantage in terms of winning this fight here. It's going to come down to Yaya again, this fight down in the first round, which I think is going to be a little bit hard. I think we're going to see Barzola implement his leg kicks. You guys got to remember, he has been showing a lot of his um, grappling first mentality in his last couple fights, but the guy is a striker first. He is a striker turned grappler, and we do see his striking come into play uh, in, in in spurts. You know, even in the Movistar Arvlo fight, he got his face boxed off for the first you know half round or so, and then after that, he was finally able to get back into the game uses his leg kicks very well what i was most impressed about him in that movizar evlo fight was the fact that he was able to stuff so many takedowns he did get taken down i think three times in that fight but even in that he was able to get right back up he was very aware about where he was never really gave up his back or anything like that was was again very very strong too i think that's another thing that he's going to have an advantage here in yaya is he's going to be the stronger guy 
I expect it to kind of play out like the Ricky Simone fight. Uh, the difference here, I think that Simone throws it with a little bit more heat. Might be slightly more athletic than Barzola as well too. But I think that Barzola, you know, technically the better striker than Ricky Simone. Where I truly believe we're going to see Barz- Barzola eat up that front leg of Yaya. And, and you know... I, th- I expect at a certain time we're going to see Yaya start to try to reach for that front leg every time he gets hit. And then at that time, Enrique Barzola is going to throw some hands to his face, maybe land some damage there. But I think it's going to be a long night for Hani Yaya. There's absolutely the fact that Yaya could go out there and, and take down Barzola in that first round somehow, you know, grab his back. But I don't think that we're going to see a gaff. Uh, you know, like a like a Luke Sanders against Hani Yaya. I think that Barzola is just too smart for that. You know, even though he's coming off that last to Evloev, I think it rose his stock in terms of uh, the type of fighter that we're dealing with. Again, very strong. Movzor Evloev has been a money train for me. He's going to be a money train for a while. The guy has relentless grappling, relentless takedowns, and Barzola held up pretty well there. So, uh, you know, not to mention Hani Yaya's poor gas tank. I think after a round and a half or so of him trying to, you know, get desperate for that takedown, it's going to start to wear on him, and then Barzola is going to start to take over even more. Um, yeah, it's it's very tough for me to see Barzola give up a submission here. Never been submitted in his life. He's only been uh, taken to a decision. Those are pretty much his only losses. Um, I fully expect him to, again, establish that leg kick early and often, and this fight will be very, very easy for him to win. Um, Hani Yaya also throws like regular abandoned on the feet strictly due to the fact that he doesn't get to he doesn't care about getting taken down he has that like Damian Maya and like super jiu-jitsu level striking where it's just like all right I'm gonna throw with massive heat I don't even mind if I tumble over you know throwing a fucking haymaker but if you follow me to the ground you're getting into my fucking world and I would be absolutely surprised if we see uh you know, Barzola go out there and try to grapple fuck Hani Yaya. I could see him try to pull it off and maybe in the, the, the latter second half, latter half of the second round or even in the third round, strictly do, like maybe do what Ricky Simone did, you know, get Yaya down, make him, force him to continuously get back to his feet, tire him out that way, keep the pressure on him. And I love Barzola's gas tank too. That's another huge advantage that I think he has in this fight. So I'm hoping that the people that are, wanting to bet Barzola kind of maybe not see this podcast um and I'm hoping that we get the the swing back in Yaya uh again it's only Tuesday of fight week so there's still a couple days for the line to play out here I think again Barzola is going to have uh definitely uh better odds let's see if I just refresh this best fight odds page right now and see if we got nah it's not minus one anyone <laughs> that's wishful thinking right there but yeah I, I love Barzola in this spot uh yeah I don't know what what more. I, I'm pretty sure I, I touched on everything I wanted to touch on for for this specific fight. So uh, again, MMA is a very volatile sport. There there is absolutely that chance that Barzola could like slip on a banana peel and Haniyaya absolutely takes advantage, takes his back and chokes him out. Don't see it happening though. Like like if that's really his only path to victory here, gotta go with Barzola. Um, again, I'm hoping for that minus 160ish range again, uh, and I'm willing to wait it out. So I got Barzola. I'm gonna take him by by decision it wouldn't even you know uh, I, we could also see a late stoppage for him too but i'm going to go on the safer side and say uh barzola by decision all right next up we got alizio zaleski dos santos versus alexei kunchenko the odds continues to close for this fight plus 105 for kunchenko <coughs> minus 120 for zaleski dos santos it seemed like a zaleski had huge amount of momentum uh 
you know, coming into that Lee Jing Liang fight, I think it was like a crazy, like, yeah, minus 265 favorite. Insane. He was on a ridiculous run beating guys like Sean Strickland, Luigi Vendramini, who's never, who's not in the UFC anymore. And then Curtis Milner, he went out there and quickly choked out. But then he got finished by Lee Jing Liang, literally with nine seconds left in the fight, probably in a fight that he was losing as well, too. Got hurt really bad at the end of that first round. Um, Kunchenko brings a very interesting style here. 20 and 1, his only loss in his last fight against Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert Burns, I believe, yep, that was his last fight. Getting a little bit up there in age. He, I believe he's 36 now. Nope, 35. He will be 36 in May. Uh, the guy has a very basic style when it comes to striking, but that basic style led him to go 19-0 and or, or 20-0 before he ran into Gilbert Burns. Um, and I think even that type of style, like he has a little bit of power that he packs as well too, uh, but that style could definitely prove some issues for Elizio Zaleski. You know, we saw Zaleski numerous times get hit by Li Jing Liang, and I think that we see, we're going to see a little bit more of a technical performance from Kunchenko here, who won't be rattled by the the crazy Capoeira style of Zaleski. He doesn't have the greatest uh, striking defense either, too, so that definitely you know hinders Zaleski's chances of winning this fight. Uh, but I I think that that Kunchenko is just too weathered to 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 lose to a guy like Zaleski. Zaleski, you know, he has the the, the possibility of getting this fight to the ground and and implementing his jujitsu, um, I just don't think he has the, the the best timing on his takedowns or the type of takedown ability that Gilbert Burns had, which would allowed him to get you know come away with the success. I think that one thing that would allow Kunchenko to really win this fight is to implement that leg kick just as he did against Gilbert Burns near the ending of that fight. Uh, I think he's if if he's able to immobilize the Lizio. Um, it will make it easier for him to, you know, for him to use his hands, catch uh, Dos Santos, uh, maybe even put him out. But I think that we see a very calm, cool, collected Konchenko through 15 minutes, and he's going to, you know, pretty much strike Zaleski's face off. So I think he has a little bit of value at the the, the plus 105. I wouldn't even be be surprised to see that line flip at this uh, at this rate. So I'm gonna wait it out, see if we can get a better line. I have absolutely no qualms in terms of passing on this fight. That I, I see no reason to to rush to the betting window to bet Kunchenko here, but I do think he is the right side here, um, and I think that the the, the myth of Zaleski is going to continue to fall, uh, and this is just another. Um, example of that so we're going with Konchenko by decision next up we got uh, my possible or will more than likely be my dog of the night play we got Amanda Hibas here against uh, Randa Marcos minus 330 for Hibas plus 274 Marcos and I did start this one off by saying another dog or my dog play of the night and no it's not going to be Randa Marcos I'm not that crazy. I love Rando, and I hope to eventually have her on my podcast, which uh, is something that I'm trying to work on. But um, I think that she's a little bit outmatched here. I'm being completely honest. Um, you know, the only thing Marcos has more here in this fight, I believe, is is the, the UFC experience. But she gets a little wild. She gets a little sloppy, you know, and sometimes that's to her benefit, and sometimes that's to her detriment. And I think in this fight against a girl like Amanda Hibas, it's going to be to her detriment. So my dog play is going to be Amanda Hibas by uh, or via inside the distance. And the fight doesn't go to decision line, which is the only prop that we currently have available for this fight, continues to get better. You know, it opened up at plus 205. Now it's at plus 240, which leads me to believe that Amanda Hibas inside the distance is going to be between 
plus 300 and plus 400. And I'm probably going to lay a whole unit on that. I think that, um, you know, Marcos is outmatched on the ground here. Uh, black belt with Hibas, who does, you know, has amazing back takes. Say what you want about her not being able to submit uh, Emily Whitmire by having her back for pretty much that entire first round, but then eventually getting the choke in the second round. You know, she so, showed decent jujitsu against Mackenzie Dern as well whenever Dern tried taking her back. Um, I think Marcos just gets a little bit too crazy and sloppy on the ground at times, and I think that's where Amanda Hibas is going to be able to capitalize. I see Hibas eventually getting her back and then choking her out. I'm calling a rear naked choke. Um, and then I think Hibas obviously has the the better striking too. You know, I, one thing I will give Marcos is that she she moves very awkwardly and she moves in a very unorthodox manner that might throw off Hibas. But the, the unfortunate part is that Marcos doesn't really throw with much power. So it doesn't really, you know, she, she's going to have to throw volume if she's going to want to beat a girl like Hibas. And even with the volume, I think that Hibas will be able to find that you know, even if it's a head and arm choke, like we still see Rodno Marcos get taken down by weird things. Uh, I think that Hibas has all of the tools in her toolkit to to get or toolbox, I should say, to get Marcos down and implement a jujitsu game. I don't think she's going to be keen on getting it there, but I think the fight will eventually just find itself there, and we do see Amanda Hibas getting that finish. She's very aggressive with her jujitsu. We've seen Marcos get tapped in the past by you know other ladies. Um, let me let me just give you guys some names for reference. Uh, Courtney Casey, Rosanami Yunus. I'll, I'll give that one to her. So, so she's only been tapped two times, but this is like the first time that she's fought a girl of this jujitsu level as well. You know, say what you want about Claudia Gadella, but that fight was like super boring. Pretty much just a hysteric contest, a pedestrian fight at best. Um, yeah, no real other jujitsu threats. That she fought throughout her her career. Jessica Penne, decent jujitsu, but you know she that was super early in her career. But yeah, I th- I just think Amanda Hibas has the advantage here, and I think that again having that inside the distance as such a juicy juicy line, or and a juicy I mean good line, um, it's too tough to pass up. I, I gotta go with Amanda Hibas here and inside the distance. So whenever you guys get that inside the distance prop, or if your books don't offer inside the distance. The total will more than likely be set at two and a half. I would highly suggest hitting that under. I expect that under to be around the the plus two fifty ish mark, plus two seventy five ish mark. Think that it has a ton of value as well. But if you do have the option to bet he busts inside the distance, whenever your bookies release that, hit that shit. I'm I'm gonna pour a full unit on it. I believe I was considering like taking a one unit dog and then dropping maybe a point five to point seventy five point seven five unit uh, play on. Uh, you know, uh, on he bus inside the distance, but man, like none of the dogs are barking at me enough, um, or convincingly enough to make me actually put out that one unit on them. I would rather just use that one unit on he bus inside the distance because I believe that's where the most value lays in terms of plus money. So I'm going he bus inside the distance. Uh, I'm calling a rear naked choke, probably second round, maybe even first round. Wouldn't be surprised, uh, but I think she gets the finish here. All right. Uh, Juicy Formiga versus Brandon Moreno. This is a fun fight. Minus 160 for Formiga, plus 140 for Moreno. This is a fight. The line just keeps getting better and better on Formiga. Uh, he opened minus 185, got uh, got down to somehow minus 130, and you know, minus 185, minus 170. Now he's getting up and up to that minus 160 range. I... <sighs> Let's start off with Moreno. I, I've, I I gotta say I have been impressed with him since he's come back to the UFC. 
Um, I had a lock of the night play on Askar Askarov and I came out, you know, thanking the heavens that Askar Askarov came out with a draw in that fight because that probably should have been a loss. Um, but in the the, the Kaikar France fight, Brandon Moreno comes out there looking like an absolute beast. Uh, you know, pretty much lighting Kaikar France up on the feet. Very unorthodox and, and unusual with his striking patterns, which kind of threw off Kaikar France. Used his length very well, used his movement very well. Um, you know, his jiu-jitsu is always something to, to keep in mind. But in this fight against Formiga, he's talking. you're talking about a guy that has ever-improving striking in Formiga uh, and probably hands down the best jiu-jitsu in the flyweight division. So I, I, I think Formiga somehow, you know, uh, uses that Yaya type of striking, that Maya type of striking where, you know, but I'd say it's even better because he, he is adding technique behind it, but he's throwing heat. He's throwing all these spinning back fists and, and trying to get a little crazy out there because he's not scared about taking it and getting taken down. Uh, that's where he's able to implement his best game. And the only concern here with Moreno is that he continuously gives up his back whenever he's trying to get up. So I think that's an issue, you know, if, especially fighting a guy like Juicy Formiga. I think Formiga is miles ahead of him in terms of the jiu-jitsu game. It's all about what's going to happen on the feet. Um, you know, I, I could absolutely see Moreno getting a little bit too crazy out there and Formiga catching him, clipping him, hitting him with a spinning back fist and then following up with a takedown or, or getting him down. Um, you, you got to give credit to Formiga in terms of being able to get Benavidez down. Yeah, he wasn't able to keep Benavidez down, but that's just Benavidez being one of the best scramblers in the game. Moreno is a decent scrambler himself, but I think that Formiga may be a step or two ahead of him once this fight hits the mat, and that's where it's going to get a little bit scary for Moreno. So I absolutely understand why people are taking the shot on Brandon Moreno at the plus 160, plus 170 range, considering the, the improvements that he continues to make. But I think Juicy Formiga is just another level. He was close to being my lock on the night play, but I, I love the spot with Barzola a little bit more. So uh, I'm happy with passing on Formiga here. But I, I think at minus 160, he holds a little bit of value. So so that's something people will definitely need to keep uh, keep an eye on. And I think that, uh, you know, he may be a parlay piece for me. That's something that I would highly consider with Juicy Formiga here. Um, if Barzola wasn't on the, you know, if that Barzola and Yaya fight wasn't on this card... I'd maybe consider Formiga as like my 3.5 to 4 unit logger than I play. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, you, we get we, another thing that we can't really put our hand on is uh, the, 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 the ever improvement of Brandon Moreno. Like I said, he's looked amazing since he's come back to the UFC and he may make another step forward in terms of his, in terms of his progression in his career, in terms of his uh, improvement, his skills and all that type of stuff. But uh, I still like Formiga, you know, even though he got finished by Benavidez and uh, even though he wasn't able to keep Benavidez on the ground, I still like what I saw from Formiga. He just seems so much more confident in his striking too and that's that's a big part of his game especially in terms of trying to mix those the, the striking aspect into his takedowns and then eventually implementing his grappling which is obviously uh his bread and butter so i'm still going to go with formiga here i'm going to say by the decision or maybe a, a late uh submission um i forgot who it was but somebody brought up the fact that moreno went out there and sub louis smoka That's all I got to say. Just. All right. Just here for Miga. Uh, let's say by decision. Next up, we got Francisco Trinaldo versus John McDessie. Uh, Masaranduba coming off a victory over Bobby Green. Very, very close fight. 
I don't know what it is with Bobby Green, but he's always finds himself in a close fight. And then obviously you had the Alexander Hernandez fight, which was just pretty much a, I wouldn't call it a fight. I'd call it a staring contest. One of the worst fights we've probably ever seen in our lives. And then obviously Alexander Hernandez gets the, the hometown cooking there. Um, he comes into this fight against John McDessie in what should be, you know, pretty much a stand-up fight. Uh, I'd be surprised to see the guy go for a takedown. If anything, I'd I'd I'd, I'd guess that McDessie would be the one going for a takedown. Uh, McDessie likes to get a little bit crazy with the strikes, likes spinning shit, you know, likes to use his leg kick in his fight against Jesus Pinedo. That was kind of a staring contest as well, too. The the Nashville crowd was giving it to them. That they did not give a fuck about that fight, especially coming off a fight like Macy Barber against JJ Aldridge. I get it. I completely understand. But uh, he's in a fight here against uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Trinaldo might be slightly slower here, but I don't think it's going to be too detrimental to him. I still think he has the heavier power. I think he can even put out John McDessie, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, massive light kicks from Trinaldo. Uh, very quick with his counters, too. McDessie's going to have to be on his game. You know, he was working with uh, Rufus for last time around. I expect him to be doing the same thing this time around. But, uh, you know, McDessie's been off for a little bit too. That that Nashville card was a while ago now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's been over a year since he's fought, or just under a year, sorry, since he's fought. Uh, and then Trinaldo has been a little bit more active, I believe. Uh, he's Yeah, he's fought two times since then. Was scheduled numerous amounts of times. Diego Ferreira, Islam Makachev, and Alexander Hernandez. Uh, but he still ends up coming out against Alexander Hernandez and Bobby Green. So... <laughs> I like Trinaldo here. Uh, what are the odds? I think those odds are getting better too. Minus 160 plus 140. If I'm looking at two minus 160s, uh, Trinaldo and the guy that I talked about in the last fight, Juicy Formiga, I'd prefer Juicy Formiga over Trinaldo. You know, he is getting older. He's he's like in his 40s now too, isn't he? 41. Ridiculous. He's, he's kind of on that like UR Romero vibe, <laughs> but I don't see him ever getting up there in terms of like getting being a number one contender or anything like that. Uh, so I, I am going to take Trinaldo here. I think he finishes John McDessie as well, too. I think we see McDessie get a little bit too wild um, and, and he gets clipped, gets put down, uh, and then Trinaldo picks up the victory there. But I have absolutely no confidence in, in betting Trinaldo here. All right, next up, Johnny Walker against Nikita Krylov. This is uh, another dog that I found very interesting uh, to bet. Plus 125 currently, uh, not not enticing enough. Again, I, I need maybe plus 140, plus 150. So obviously the fight doesn't go to decision. It's probably the best bet that you're going to get here at minus 475, though that's a little bit too crazy. The under one and a half I would consider, depending on what the odds are, but even that, I might even pass, you know, Krilov's only been to the third round, I think, twice in his 30-something fights. How many fights has he had? 33 fights. He's only gone to the third round twice. So kind of like Charles Oliveira, this is a guy that never really likes to see the judges. Um, There's a lot of questions surrounding Johnny Walker here. We don't know what kind of fighter we're going to get. This is his first fight that he's going to be working with Faraz Ahabi over at TriStar. Um, You know, he's coming off that demolishment from Corey Anderson uh, I still believe he's like that that guy that strictly relies on his power. I don't expect to to come out here and see a Johnny Walker that's going to be sticking to a game plan of like jabbing, 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 trying to get into his distance. I still think that we're going to see Faraz Zahabi kind of bring out that more wacky side of Johnny Walker to to make him more effective, but still wacky and wild and unorthodox. Um, but 
I think we could still see him get into some trouble if this fight hits the ground. And I would have to give the advantage to Krilov on the ground in terms of snatching up submissions, uh, maybe holding top control. We've seen Krilov out there fight heavyweights in the past. You know, so fighting a big guy like Johnny Walker is nothing new to him. Uh, has a ton of veteran experience. I think he's fought guys way better than Johnny Walker. Obviously, coming off a split decision loss to Glover Teixeira is obviously not the best look. Uh, got hit by some bombs by Glover and was fine, but you know it seemed like he was showing a little bit of uh, damage off of those. So if Johnny Walker hits him clean, it might not be good. Um, I, I still like Krilov here, which is weird. I know a lot of people are on Johnny Walker, and we might see that line on Nikita Krilov get better as the week goes on, plus 125. We could see it close, plus 150-ish, as people start to throw Johnny Walker into parlays and, and start to see that minus 130, minus 140 line and start to get a little bit trigger-happy and start just you know blowing the money on Johnny Walker. But Krilov definitely uh, offers a little bit more um, to, to, to worry about, especially if you're a Johnny Walker backer, you know, decent karate style as well he has good uh good striking um but i but i think his main game plan is here is gonna have to be to take johnny walker down use his top control start to work his jiu-jitsu maybe pull off a submission of some sort and i think that's what we might actually get from uh nikita krilov here maybe a ground and pound or some something but uh walker you know too many questions around Walker, especially coming off that devastating knockout to Corey Anderson. I could see him being super motivated by it. However, uh, Krilov just, you know, he 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 presents a lot of issues for Walker. And if Walker's not able to get out, get him out of there in that first like two minutes or three minutes, it, it could be a tough fight for him. So I'm going with Nikita Krilov uh, by second round submission. Um, but I, I just don't know if if I'm fully on board with taking the dog money at plus 125 right now. If he gets up to that plus 150, plus 160 range, I might have to pull the trigger. Um, and I'll obviously entertain the under whenever it comes out and, and see what that line is at. But as of right now, I'm probably going to pass on this fight. But I'm going to go with Nikita Krilov to win this fight by submission. Next up, we got uh, Hanato Moikano versus Demir Hadzovic. So this is a, a originally pre-tape. And obviously, looking at the odds, I was like, there's a ton of value on Demir Hadzovic here. Plus 275. That's That's... A little bit crazy, especially considering uh, uh, fighting a guy that's coming off of two like KO losses. Uh, I do want to bring a little bit of clarity to those KO losses, though. The Jose Aldo one, obviously, he got hurt um, and then just got overwhelmed. He eventually got stopped while he was still on his feet. So I think it was more so an overwhelming barrage from Aldo that got the finish from Moicano. And obviously, Moicano was hurt. Don't get me wrong. That's why you was shelling up. And I wasn't really offering anything in return offensively. Uh, and then the um, the Chan Sung Young fight, he got absolutely cracked. Perfect punch by Chan Sung Young. Chan Sung Young goes out there and then follows up some ground and pound, uh, and then puts out Hanato Moikano that way. Um, Hadzvich has a lot of power in his hands. The only issue here is his takedown defense is not the greatest, and I think that's where Moikano is probably going to want to get this fight. I think he's going to want to test it out on the feet a little bit establish his range establish some leg kicks and then boom throw in a takedown here and there and i think that's where he starts to implement his jiu-jitsu ground and pound and really puts it on hadzovic in that aspect am i willing to take the the the, the chance at the minus 335 but no absolutely not that is not a, that's not what i'm looking at um as a parlay piece no not that either um we don't know i i'm not willing to find out uh, if Moikano will be able to beat Hadzovic at that minus 235 range. I have no interest in it. I am going to pick Moikano to win. And I am going to pick Moikano to win by decision. 
Um, but you got to be very wary here, especially throwing Moicano into any type of uh, parlay. Hadzovic is dangerous. He has a lot of power in his hands, decent striking technique, decent kicking technique, but I think it's going to be a little bit too much for him to deal with the range, uh, the, the movement, uh, and, and and the skill set of a Moicano. So I like uh, Moicano to win here. Um, I'm going to say by decision, uh, but definitely not worth of a, a, a parlay piece or, or, or even a straight bet, obviously. So uh, Moicano by decision. Next up, Coleman event, Damian Maia versus Gilbert Burns. I started the show at the top saying that I hope that they fucking play out on the ground somehow. You know, they can just start jiu-jitsu style. Why not? Somebody on their butt. Whatever those jiu-jitsu guys do, let's get into it. <laughs> let's fucking try to pull that off. But uh, let, let's get the striking out of the way. Obviously, Gilbert Burns has the advantage. You know, the endless amount of time that he continues to put in with... Um, why is it escaping me? Henry Hooft over down there at uh, Hard Knocks 365. I think that's helping him tenfold. You know, he's been looking great on the feet. Uh, the the Alexei Kunchenko fight, he was able to mix in some take well-timed takedowns, I should say, to to pull off the victory there. The Gunnar Nelson fight, another one where he was able to to use his jiu-jitsu as well as some decent striking, landing some good shots on Gunnar Nelson to, to take the, 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 the decision there. And his fight IQ is really good too. You know, in the, the Gunnar Nelson's fights, he always ended up going for those takedowns late and was able to secure position and ride out those rounds. Um you know, the Kuchenko fight, same thing. Mike Davis fight, he was able to pull off the submission. Uh, it's it's tough for me to see how Maya wins this fight. You know, obviously, Jiu-Jitsu is his path to victory here. Um, but you got to think athletically, youth-wise, and, and strength. He's kind of outmatched here by Gober Burns uh, at this stage of their career. Put Damian Maya, obviously, in there against a guy like Lyman Good or something who has, you know, literally no ground game. Obviously, he's going to be able to pull off the submission. Put him in there against a guy like Gilbert Burns, who you know has been again looking really good in the striking realm. Has super high class jujitsu, is younger, is stronger, um, is maybe even a little bit more active. You guys can say too that may play into his advantage here. Uh, man, his odds keep getting better too, which is kind of catching my eye here. Minus one seventy five for Gilbert Burns, but he was like you know he was riding around the minus one ninety range, minus two twenty five range. Now he's back up to minus one seventy five. <sighs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to track this line. You know, if that line continues to get better at like the minus one forty five, minus one fifty range, that's definitely worth a shot. Just saying, like you gotta think that Burns is rightfully favored here, um, and you gotta think that again, his youth definitely plays an advantage. His striking plays very well. His leg kicks as well. I think that's something that we're gonna see him implement here. I could absolutely see him here and see him go out there and try to pull off uh, a, a striking clinic on Damian Maya. Don't even try to mess with Maya on the ground. You know, getting Maya under your belt in terms of a name that you have a win over is definitely advantageous for him in terms of moving forward in the division. He's probably best at 155, but if he's going to continue to rack these wins up at 170, why not continue to collect names like Damian Maya, Alexander, um, Alexei Kunchenko, and Gunnar Nelson? Just keep racking them up. The, the, I, I don't see why not. You know, so uh, I like Burns here. I'm going to take him by decision. I think he just continues to stay away from the jiu-jitsu. As much as I want to see this play out in the jiu-jitsu room, I think the, the safest way for Burns to go would be to to use his striking advantage. Um, I think, again, I think his jiu-jitsu will play well in terms of defending takedowns, uh, not letting Damian Maia get the, the, the back or not letting Damian Maia, you know, drag fights to the ground as he's just so effortlessly does against non-wrestlers. 
Um, Burns will have the wherewithal in terms of not giving up bad positions. Uh, and then as long as this fight continues to play out in the striking realm, Burns is going to chew him up. Pretty simple, straightforward. So I'm going to go with Burns by decision. Uh, and may, again, with the line continuing to drop, it may potentially be a bet for me. So it's something I'm going to keep an eye on. I wasn't considering it at minus 200, to be honest. I thought it was a little bit wide. But uh, yeah, throughout the day, it's been slowly getting better. So I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns. All right, next up, we got the main event. Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. This is a fun, fun fight. Let's start off with Kevin Lee. He's coming off that victory over Gregor Gillespie. You know, Gillespie actually looked great in that fight. His hands looked crisp. Um... We didn't really see a shot or anything from him. A lot of people wanted to see the the wrestling play out in that fight. We never really get to, got to see that. And then eventually Kevin Lee lands that banger of a head kick uh, and absolutely puts Gregory Gillespie to, to, to La La Land. It was insane. One of the craziest knockouts we'll ever see. And it's even worse that his, like, the way Gregor fell, especially against a cage and just looking all fucked up. Very, very bad. Um, but th- this is a different fight. You know, Charles Oliveira... His striking is really coming together. He pieces up Nick Lance, breaks Jared Gordon's um, orbital bone, you know, pieces up David Tamor, and then eventually Anaconda chokes him. That was a crazy performance. He is on a crazy streak. So he lost to Paul Felder back in December of 2017. Since then, he's put together six straight wins. All of them finishes. He continues to go out there and just absolutely impress um, the line I was initially looking at was, oh shit. I think I got my lock and I play. <laughs> Minus 305, fight doesn't go to decision. I'm hitting the shit out of that. I don't know about y'all. So I was thinking about hitting that at minus 310. Um, but yeah, this minus 105 is too nuts to pass up. Let me let me get throw this stat out there. 13 straight fights that Charles Oliveira has not gotten to a decision. Let me give you the actual how many fights he's actually not gotten to decision. So besides his regional fights that we just don't have any info on, which was 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. So his first 12 fights we don't really have a method of victory for. But 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 23 fights not going to decision out of, what is that, 16 plus 8, 24, the fuck, and then Kevin Lee, 8 out of his last 10 fights did not go to a decision, I see one of two things happening, we could either see Charles Oliveira, Go out there and submit Kevin Lee. Um, you know, start to use the striking a little bit. I'd say it's a little bit more diverse than Kevin Lee's at this point in time. I would have to give Kevin Lee the advantage in terms of power. Uh, but in terms of an overall game, I think Charles Oliver has the better leg kicks. His Again, his hands are looking a little bit better too. His Muay Thai clinch might be a little bit better too. Um, but it's going to be interesting to me to see how Charles Oliveira deals with the strength of Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee will obviously be the better, um, the, the the stronger fighter here. I don't know if Kevin Lee wants to take this fight to the ground. Oliveira is so active off of his back. You know, I, I don't know what the path to victory for Kevin Lee is here, other than using his wrestling and using his strength. But that's going to be tough for Charles, uh, against a guy like Charles. 
Fuck, that that's tough, man. Um, I I really don't know which side to play here. I, I'm gonna go with the dog and Charles, um, but the one thing about Charles here is the fact that he, mentally he does break. If things are not going his way, he's gonna break, and that's why he always ends up losing by by finish. Like the uh, his opponent is always able to get him to that point, break him, and then go for the finish. Whether it's a TKO, whether it's a knockout, whether it's a submission, whatever the fuck it is, and I think that Kevin Lee is absolutely capable of that. You know, we have seen cardio issues in the past for Kevin Lee, and that's another thing to take into consideration here. Charles Oliveira might push a pace that will make it more difficult for Kevin Lee to to implement his game and eventually wear him out too. Charles Oliveira himself has had cardio issues. So one of these guys will have their cardio tested and it might, you know, not be the best for them. But man, minus 305 for the fight doesn't go to decision. I'm probably going to hit that today if I'm being honest. Like I was hoping the minus 310 range, but I'm going to lay the chalk, lay the chalk here. 25 minutes in a Charles Oliveira fight. Thank you. I'm hitting that. That's value city if I've ever seen it. That fight does not go to decision 99% of the time. And at minus 305, value. I'm hitting that. I don't give a shit. And again, in terms of a, of a side, I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira. I think he like somehow gets a choke in, whether it's a Kevin Lee you know, t- t- takedown attempt. Uh, maybe we see Charles Oliveira sneak in sort of some sort of darts choke or an anaconda choke. That's definitely a, a path to victory for him. He has a nasty choke game. I, again, I don't know if we're going to see Kevin Lee try to go out there and wrestle fuck Charles Oliveira. He's going to have to be very, very careful. Charles is one of the best jiu-jitsu guys that we have in the game right now in terms of his aggressiveness and his offensive uh, offensive ability to use it. So I'll go with Charles Oliveira to win by maybe third round uh, submission. Don't bet the side here, guys. I, I don't know. I'd, that's just me. I'm not betting a side, but I'm going to take the chalk, 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 chalk on uh, the fight doesn't go to decision at minus two or five. And I don't give a fuck what anybody says there. But that is like free money if I've ever fucking seen, seen any. And hey, you guys are more than welcome to make a meme out of this shit if you guys want. And if this fight does go the full 25 minutes. But given the statistics and given the fighting styles of all these guys and everything that we've seen from them, this fight's not going to a decision. So my official pick is going to be Charles Oliveira by third round submission. But the bet's going to be fight doesn't go to decision so i don't know if i'm going to play on reaper zola right now honestly i'm going to hit the five units at minus 305 on um on uh on this fight doesn't go to decision uh and then we'll see about berzola but i'd be happy to even just bet uh the five units here on on the fight doesn't go to decision and then maybe a 0.5 unit stab just to bring down the stake a little bit on uh, the he boss uh inside the distance bet but yeah fuck can you guys see how happy I am to see the odds get as good as they are right now? <laughs> like once I saw I saw the minus three ten, then I'm like, all right, let me wait it out, let me see. Then I got to minus three fifty. Then I got down to minus four sixty. I'm like, all right, fuck, I missed the best line. And then within the last maybe two hours or so, it's gotten up to minus three or five. So I'm hitting the shit out of that. That's my lock of the night play. You guys are seeing it live in in time. I'm gonna hit that right now as soon as I finish recording this. So lock of the night play main event doesn't go to the decision. All right, just a quick uh, update. Yes, this is a a video that I had to record after I recorded the original podcast. Literally, as I finished recording and refreshed uh, my my sport bet page, the line jumped up to minus 365 for the fight doesn't go to decision on the main event here. So what my strategy is actually going to be is to 
wait until the totals drop. I'm hoping that it'll drop it uh, over under two and a half. If we get that, that will probably be the lock of the night play, no matter what the odds are. Obviously, they'll be better than minus 300. Um, and again, I still think there's a ton of value there. But if they drop it at one and a half, then I'm going to be a little bit skeptical. And then I'll probably turn my gaze back to Enrique Barzola. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye out for that. Obviously, just follow me on Twitter at MMALOT and obviously to, 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 to know what I'm thinking and where my head's at and all that stuff. But I just want to add this extra bit to the podcast to let you guys know that that minus 205 did not stick around at all and i don't want to be telling you guys that i'm playing something when uh the odds just get so crazy afterwards so um keep an eye out on totals uh otherwise barzola will be the play um and then just keep up with me on twitter at mmalotn and you guys will see what my official plays will be regardless thanks a lot I did say that I will quickly give you guys my Bellator 241 lock of the night play. I got five units at minus 157 on, was it minus 157 or minus 167? One of those. I believe it was minus 157 on Manu Sanchez and the line got slightly better. So I hate myself for missing that CLV. But um, Emmanuel Sanchez over Daniel Vaishal, I think there's a ton of value on uh, Sanchez here, who's just better, the, the better overall fighter, better striker. Vaichal is a really good jiu-jitsu guy and, and decent with his takedowns, but Sanchez is just as good in his own right. But I love Sanchez in this spot. I think there's a ton of value. He continues to get better and better too. Uh, had a really good fight against Patricio, uh, Patricio Pitbull. Um, and yeah, but I think he comes out with the victory here against Vaichal. Uh, man, I'm just so excited about the fight. doesn't go to decision on the main event. Getting better and better. Oh, and they dropped the inside the distance lines. He boss inside the distance, plus 350. I'm hitting that shit too. So probably 0.75 units at plus 350 on he boss inside the distance. And then uh, fight doesn't go to decision, minus 305 on on the main event. All right, I'm just too excited. I'm sorry, guys. Appreciate you guys watching the episode. Um, shout out to my guy, Connor Rideout, who I did an episode of uh, Combative Stores with. He hit me up with the toque. I'm sure you guys saw it last week as well. Um, but I just wanted to wear it again because I dropped the episode today. So make sure you guys check that shit out as well if you guys got time. Uh, and then I got another Combative Stores episode coming out tomorrow with TJ Laramie, uh, 11-3 pro from Canada. Very, very high level. He's on the cusp of making it to the UFC. Um, he has a win over Charles Jordan, who you guys will remember, knocked out Duho Choi a couple months ago. Uh, and I think, and Laramie, you know, put it on Charles Jordan for five straight rounds for a title fight in TKO. That's on Fight Pass that you guys can check out as well. The dude was super cool. We went for about an hour, 45 to two hours. Very, very fun episode to do. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. I believe that's going to drop tomorrow for you guys. So keep an eye out on the YouTube page. Like, subscribe, comment, do whatever the fuck you guys want to do. Let's make some money. Let's get our three events. It's actually going to be four events in a row if I hit Bellator and UFC. And you guys already know. Usually when I hit three events in a row, I I charge for my plays after that. But I'm just going to do a three and four since Bellator and UFC are like back-to-back days. I'm not going to, you know, skip. I'm not going to charge you guys minus 305, you know, or to get that tip. There you go, minus 305. Fight doesn't go to decision on the main event. That's the lock and then I play. All right, that's it. I'm done. Follow me at Twitter on, on Twitter at MMALOTN. Check out the website, MMALOTN.ca. Let's get this fucking money this weekend. <laughs>